Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Caught Offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney, Champions League Wednesday. What's up, brother? Things got off to an early start, Andrew. It's rare I bother with the early game. Like, I really, uh, I probably should pay more attention to the early game. But this one, there was no chance I wasn't watching. I, I was pumped for this all week. Um, and to the point where me and you had a phone conversation uh, this afternoon or this morning. And I said, you have to, we have to watch this one. This one is just must see TV. I think it could be five, four or four, three. I was a little bit off. Yeah, but you, pretty United, much, I, you pretty much called it. Oh, wonderful stuff. Um, flawed, but, but ultimately wonderful. And um, so, you know, I have family who are United supporters. I have friends here who are United supporters. And like, they all think I, like, they honestly thought I was just looking forward to this game because to see United collapse and for a disaster to unfold in Istanbul. And that's partly true. But mostly, I just, it's it's mostly just, I just thought it'd be a great game. And it was a great game. It was. We're going to talk all about what went down in Istanbul because uh, it was it was quite a memorable night there uh, between Manchester United and Galatasaray. We're going to talk about what happened to Newcastle in their controversial finish against PSG. Manchester City with their comeback against Leipzig. Uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, a lot to get to on this pod. It's also a very notable anniversary, JJ. Oh? It's a very notable anniversary. I'll give you some time to think on it. We'll start the second half of the pod with that. Oh. I'll give you some time. You can You can let that simmer. In your yeah. And um, and we'll close the pod tonight with a possible rule change coming to a league near you. Uh, I have not gotten your thoughts on it yet. I have no idea where you fall on this. I have a pretty good <laughs> I could guess. Um, but we'll close the pod with that a little bit later on. But we start, but we start where you said we should. Three three, just an unbelievable result. 
United led this one 2-0. They then led this one 3-1 over Galatasaray in a game that United really had to have. Now, they're not mathematically eliminated just yet, but they are very much not in control of their own destiny. Just one of those results that you don't forget. When you and I, when we spoke this afternoon, like you said, you, I mean, they're 19, I think it's 1993 um, Champions League meeting between these two teams still resonates so strongly with you and millions of other soccer fans for what that game was. And that was just a a nil-nil. I mean, imagine imagine how long this 3-3 will resonate. I mean, look, tonight was not um, Eric Cantona fighting with Turkish police at the end of the game. It wasn't, uh, you know, the uh, welcome to hell or welcome to. I, uh, do you know what was great tonight, though? Grammatically, the TIFO was correct. So they're yeah. in this brand new stadium. It says welcome to hell. Whereas I remember in the old Galatasaray Stadium, they unfurled the banner in 93 saying, welcome to the hell. Yeah. So, you know, there's been progress. I'm, I don't know if uh, parts of a sheep's body were thrown at the bus on the way to the ground. I don't know what the situation at the hotel was in terms of fireworks and keeping them up all night. Um, but this game has history and um, it didn't let us down, Andrew. Oh, my God. So before we get to the game, it is worth pointing out now that we know other results as uh, FC Copenhagen and Bayern Munich wound up drawing nil-nil. Um, so United are not out just yet. In, in the no. final match day, they're going to have to beat Bayern and they're going to have to hope that Galatasaray and FC Copenhagen settle for a draw. Um, we should mention that, um, you know, I, there's not there, there was not a ton to say about uh, Munich and Copenhagen except... Manuel Neuer pulled off a double save. Like Copenhagen's night was pretty good. It could have been amazing. Yeah. It was very close to being amazing, except for the big German. But um, a draw keeps United somewhat in it. But they need they need a draw between uh, Copenhagen and Galatasaray, and they need to beat Bayern Munich at home. Now, what kind of Munich are we going to get? You That's don't true. know. It could be a B, C squad, but that is still pretty good. And United just are not reliable right now regardless of where they're playing and look here's the thing if we're going to talk about this game it's stupid to start anywhere else the conversation of this game has to begin with the goalkeeper Andre Anana yet another disaster awful just awful and the thing that's so interesting to me I saw this tweet afterwards from Matteo Benetti uh, who covers uh, soccer in Syria specifically over at CBS and Paramount. He's really good, and he's so well-versed in the league. And and he said this on Twitter. He said, I really can't remember a glaring error Onana made at Inter. He was so good and so sure-handed. How many howlers just this season from him? That's what makes this all so weird. It's not a figment of your imagination. He was really good. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how you explain this other than what we spoke about earlier in the season – a crisis of confidence where you're at a new club, you were fairly expensive, you're replacing. I mean, I know De Gea didn't leave on the greatest terms with Manchester United, but let's call it what it is. You're replacing a legend. He's 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 a goes down to one of the great Manchester United goalkeepers. So he's got big shoes to fill. There's pressure that comes with that. And I think an early mistake has mentally for him been allowed to snowball. And this is, yeah, you're going to have some games where you, you do get the Anana of old, you know, his penalty save against Copenhagen earlier in the tournament. But this is all still in the back of his mind, these mistakes and trying to prove himself to the fan base. I don't know the guy. I haven't spoken to the guy, but I know he was good. And Matteo Benetti, 
who follows Syria and has watched Onana's career at Inter, he knows that this guy was good. This is this is weird, but it's it's become the story of their season, certainly of their Champions League campaign. And and a further wrinkle to that, and because I agree with everything you're saying, further wrinkle to that is, um, we thought he was going to be substituted at one point because, um. It was Rob Green on the on the commentary who was very good with Clive Tilsley. They are a good pair. I agree. Um, yeah, I think they're excellent together. Um, and he said he's not fit. He's not fit. And we know he had an injury on international duty for Cameroon. Um, I'm not making excuses because he was making those mistakes earlier in the season. Is making those mistakes regularly in the Champions League. But if he's not fit, he shouldn't be on the field. He, it's not a position. A wet night. A, a tense game where your goalkeeper isn't a hundred percent. Now, by the way, it, it also provides them with a convenient excuse to allow him to clear his head. I mean, you'll see this in baseball with starting yeah. pitchers right. who are, who are going through it and like teams will find any excuse to not embarrass the guy, but give him some time off to kind of collect himself. Yeah. And I think there's something, how would you put it humane about that? Um, but let's how do we do this? Will, will I go through Onana's mistakes? Let's do that quickly. Because sure. I do want to talk about United's start, and I do want to talk about there was good things in this game. Uh, well, that, that's the... kind of the unfortunate thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll say that right now before you get to the goal-by-goal goal, is like, that's what makes this all so unfortunate is because there were good things. Like, Peter Schmeichel, JJ, he said after the match, he, like, United gave up three goals. That's not usually, that doesn't usually reflect well on a def- on a, a defense and Schmeichel afterwards said he thought United's back line played pretty well. Like, if, if you look at the types of goals that were scored, a free kick, a free kick, yeah. and then just a brilliant piece of skill uh, yes. that I don't know that I blame anyone defensively I, for United. I, I'm giving Onana a pass on that one. Like, he is, I know what Jamie Carrier was saying in in in, uh, in in the in the Paramount Plus coverage. Like, Onana comes out and then he's backing up, he's backing up, and you have to dive while you're backtracking. That's not good. And you're beat at your near post. That's not good. But the first touch in the finish by Artikoglu, it's a it's a it's a brilliant goal. It's a brilliant goal. The first so we, touch we forget is, but, that one for a second. But, but, but overall, the, the three goals though, like I don't know who other than the goalkeeper or a brilliant piece of skill by the attacker, like I don't know that don't did United do anything wrong necessarily? And they scored three goals themselves tonight. On a, in a in a parallel universe, this was a triumph tonight for United. But their goalkeeper let them down. It's harsh, but that's what happened. De- definitely and another thing that let United down before we return to the goalkeeper I do want to make this point good teams don't give up 2-0 leads good teams don't give up a 3-1 lead United still don't have that control remember I was saying before Andrew I, I think it was Liverpool Liverpool under early Klopp was like basketball games they'd, they'd concede at one end, they'd go race down the other it was back and it was fourth and then I'd say around 18, 19, 19, 20, particularly when they won the Premier League, there was, they had that attack, they had that devastation, but they also had an, a way of a midfield control in the ball. There was more passing, there was more, basically the word is control. United have no control in these games. Now, partly tonight, that was because they went for it. They had to try and win. They were pushing their fullbacks high. That allowed Z- um, Zaha and David Bowie to get in behind Sasha Bowie. I, I sorry. Every time I thought Sasha Bowie would, if he was going to get substituted, and uh, uh, that the the stadium commentator would go. And now our first ch- 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 changes. Well, 
Look, you don't have to feel bad. We had a whole drop that we played every time Craig Shakespeare made a decision for Leicester City. So yeah, we did right. a different Shakespeare quote. Yeah, yeah. so it's fine. But like, so uh, those guys were getting in behind the fullbacks. Uh, the most unbelievable call ever uh, was to deny Maru Icardi, who was, uh, I mean, Wanda must be looking for him because his wife Wanda must be like, where is he? He was nowhere in the game, but he was for one moment where he put the ball past Onana and the offside was literally the sleeve of his shirt. Yeah. Amazing accuracy on the offside there. Oh, it was it was beautiful. Um, but United did concede chances and did concede territory to, to Galatasaray because they were trying to win the game. And there was no control. But you can't get away from the fact of the goalkeeper. You simply can't. When Scott McTominay slides that one into the net, it's 3-1. That felt over. It did yeah. to me anyway. I really felt it was over and it wasn't because of an inexplicable error by the goalkeeper, one he should not make. Let's go through, through them though. The first one, um, Rob Green, again, if to the untrained eye, it's a really good free kick by Ziyech. To the trained goalkeeping eye and to maybe if you're really, really into your football, the two steps is a killer. So what? So basically the wall set up to cover one side of the goal and Onana thinks it's going over the wall instead of just doing his job and protecting his his portion of the goal. Takes two steps to his left, and he's beaten on a shot that if he stays where he is, he can breadbasket it, take it to his knees, standard goalkeeping save, forget about it. Uh, the second error then, I mean, he throws it into the net. It just uh, throws it into the net. I had, I had to see it twice. The first right. time it didn't fully make sense to me what I had just seen. Right. <laughs> It's like it's in front of him, should be a breadbasket catch. It isn't. And he bats it. He does this half. He's he's kind of caught between two chairs as to what he wants to do. And in the end, he just bats it behind himself and into the net. Dreadful mistake. Um, and I said uh, I said on Twitter, partly just to get a reaction, just so we could get, get some people riled up and hear what they think. I said, is it now clear that he is not an upgrade on David De Gea and he was a poor sign-in? Now, you don't become a poor goalkeeper overnight, except he kind of has. Yeah. Um, and people said to me about distribution. And his distribution is better than De Gea's. He is way more comfortable with the ball at his feet. There's no question. And me and you said a million times that De Gea, as a modern goalkeeper in a system like Ten Hag wants to play, can't work. But like the, the major part of the job is, if you can ping a 40-yard pass, brilliant, great, love it. If you're throwing the ball into the net, all that is erased. It's, it's you know, the major thing is to keep the ball out of the net. And he's not, he's, in the Champions League, he's just not doing it. And I, I don't know, do they, is it a sports psychologist thing that they need to, to talk to him? But you're right. He's, something has got into his brain and the, his decision-making, his nerves, the things he's doing, it's all coming up wrong. And another point made at the weekend from the Everton game, you know, it's not just me saying this. And, a major part of people's defense of Anana is his his high rating, his clean sheet leadership in the Premier League table of goalkeepers. Even at the weekend, it was um, Adam Crafton tweeted something that I kind of been thinking about myself. When he parries the ball, he always parries it back into danger. That's not a good sign for a goalkeeper either. Good ones put it out to the side; they put it around the post. It's always going back in where there can be trouble with Onana lately. So I don't know what needs to be done here, but maybe your idea of giving this guy a rest uh, is 
is is correct. Now, let's get to the good stuff. United were off to the races early, Andrew. Oh my goodness. I mean, they were yeah, they were fun to watch. I mean, the the, the first goal Garnacho feeding off the momentum move. of what happened over the weekend. Uh yeah, great move in the build up. Fernandez with a with a nice and pass. Highland, you know, Hoyling keeps it going because there's a chance that that's going to get nicked away, but he uses his strength and his skill, keeps the ball moving, and Garnacho leathers it home. Yeah. And you talk, that is the perfect settler for them. Right. And then just a few minutes later, Bruno Fernandez. Oh, my God. What a beauty of a goal. 0.04 XG, Andrew. Really? It won't surprise you. Yeah. Um, I mean, he just, the way the, the whip on that ball, the speed on it, I mean, it's just, oh, such a, a nice goal to just watch. Um, yeah. So like you said, they, they were off. I mean, it didn't, I don't know. I, I was kind of, I know that they have this propensity to not be able to hold on to a lead, but I don't know. I kind of thought well, this, this looks like it's their day. Maybe this is a game. I'm not going to really have to think much about this might, this, they might coast. I, I had a feeling that, a slight feeling of anticlimax, but then if you kind of analyze and look at United and them losing leads in Europe, you were okay with leaving it on. You know, if you if you'd seen them previously, you were kind of like, "Yeah, I'm going to let this play out," and I did, and I was I was grateful that I yeah, did. You were rewarded. Off. You were rewarded mm-hmm. for it. Um, like we said, Ziyech then gets one back for Galatasaray. Uh, a couple moments of controversy in that first half. You had a. Once again, I mean, look, we'll we'll talk in some greater detail about the handball rule, but no one knows. No one knows what the hell's going on with this thing. McTominay commits a, an offense that I think a lot of people thought was going to get called. Uh, this one wasn't. Maybe oh, I, it heels of what I happened kinda... in the Newcastle PSG match. Maybe oh now they're God. afraid to call them. I don't know. If you're Tino Livermento, how do you feel? How do you feel? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then uh, right before the break, PSG, or uh, not PSG, Galatasaray had... Was that the Acardi offside right before halftime? Um, yeah, which was perfectly called by by technology. And the fans were not happy. They whistled the refs basically into the locker room. Um, but yeah, so United went into the locker room, up a goal. And then sure enough, McTominay um, on the on a nice ball in from Juan Basaka. Uh, it almost, the McTominay goal, it almost looked like, I don't know, it, it looked more like an own goal. Like that's the kind of goal that like an own goal happens on a guy sliding in like that, trying to clear and he knocks it perfectly in, but McTominay meant to do it. Um, and he had a very nice game overall for United with that handball incident, which wasn't called aside. Um, Statman He's... Dave posting here, 95% pass accuracy. He was 19 of 20 on passes completed four ground duels, one, three aerial duels, one, two tackles, one. And of course a goal that in the moment appeared to be the one that was going to seal it for United. You wonder about, the thought process. Look, he's he is limited in certain ways, but he's a guy you want around your club. He well, never. We, I mean, we had, we played that whole game. What was it? Two months ago, the is he good game? We yeah. decided we we passed judgment. Yes, he is in fact good. Yes. Um, now, in a top top United side, is he a every week starter? Maybe not, but right now he is. And the fact that uh, Ten Hag wanted rid of him. Can you imagine United season if he wasn't there? Like you've got Casemiro who's on his last legs. Yeah. Really decimation in the midfield without without McTominay's energy. And he's turned himself, particularly for Scotland, into something of a goal scorer. Well, yeah, very much for them, certainly. Um, you know, even after United conceded the lead and, and it became three three, 
I mean, they still, I'll say could have, but you could go so far as to say should have gone on and won this. Uh, What was it? Bruno hit the post from about 25 yards out. You had that wild goal mouth scramble in the 90th where it was just like, I mean, the ball was just kind of Palestri. Yeah, begging to be tucked home. Uh, He's going to have a great save. He's not going to get any sleep tonight, Palestri. I mean, they'll just be. He should have scored. They should have won. They still should. Have, I, I give them credit. I mean, they didn't. They didn't drop their heads. They they fought harder at that point to try and go on and get the winner, and they just kind of ran out of time. Um, you know, this was one of those games, JJ. It felt it felt significant in in a bigger way for me. And you know how sometimes after those, you're obviously not a United fan. I'm not. Sometimes after games like that, I like to try and get the perspective of someone who is who's in it. And is actually a fan. So I, I texted Berenson uh, ah. for his thoughts, uh, a, a diehard United supporter. He said, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing your team go ahead like that and know in your heart that the chances they keep the lead are slim at best. They just can't hold an effing lead this season. It's infuriating. I obviously want to be in the U.S. Uh, the Champions League for the money, but do we deserve to be? Eh, I feel bad for Onana. He's going to take a lot of S for this loss. I think the team is still learning to play the way Eric Ten Hag wants them to. Fast moving mm. and fluid is good when you're on it, but it lets the other team play that way too, and they didn't flinch yep. when they had their opportunity. Uh, my only response to that was, yeah, I'd say Onana is going to get it pretty good. <laughs> he tried. I mean, you can feel bad for him. I feel bad for him too. It's not lack of effort. It's not. He doesn't need to try harder. I mean, no. like we said, he's a good goalkeeper, and I think he's just he's just having this horror moment right now. I, I, I feel bad for him too. There's just no space for that kind of you know mental block like top sports stars get these kind of things that you know the the yips um we sure. see quarterbacks who 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 just go through terrible spells of incompletions and interceptions um we Great see pitchers, pitchers who suddenly can't find the strike zone yeah you know just... and it's just goalkeeping is truly truly lonely especially when these things are happening to you. No, I don't want to overblow what's happening to Onana because he does seem like a confident guy, a self-confident guy, but he's clearly been rattled uh, by the last few weeks. Well, I would say the problem is that the stakes of your error as a goalkeeper, there's nothing really, there's not really a a comparable to it in in any other sport. Like, you know, it's like when God was inventing football in the mid 19th century when he landed in Scotland and decided to invent football and he was everyone was gathered around the table and they were drawing up the rules and he said we're going to have a position called goalkeeper and everyone was like "Uh uh-huh go on go on he's going to be able to use his hands within a box an 18 yard box oh okay interesting so he's the only player allowed to use his hands what an advantage yes but every mistake he makes is potentially the end of his career. What? Excuse me? No, that's what I want to do. God, you're sick. What's wrong with you? Get out. Get out. I make the rules around here. That's what God said. Yeah. And it's so true. Um, Robert Enke's autobiography. Now, Robert Enke came to a terrible end, taking his own life. Um, hmm. He had serious underlying problems, but the chapters on when he was at Barcelona... And he was number one under Van Hal are are harrowing about the no like I said, he had fairly deeper, you know, it wasn't always oh, just a lack of confidence. He had deeper underlying issues, 
surrounding mental health. But if you read those chapters about he makes a mistake in a cup game against like no a nobody, a minnow, and Barcelona get knocked out, and just the depression, the pressure, the self-evaluation, the self-searching, the fear that just engulfed him and surrounded him is utterly, utterly suffocating and scary. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I'm sure it happens, maybe not as, as profoundly to other goalkeepers as it did to Enke, but it definitely, definitely affects every goalkeeper. And he, I, I, I actually feel for him a lot. Yeah. Um, last bit on this before we move on, just looking at Manchester United's Champions League campaign as a whole, JJ, here is the the goals that they have conceded in the champ in their Champions League matches. They've conceded four, three, then zero, and then four and three. 14 goals in five games. Just astounding. They're bottom of their group, despite having scored 12 and five. They're basically scoring two and a half goals per game in the Champions League, and they may and that may not even be good enough for them to qualify for the Europa League, let alone get out of their group. And they, and by the way, think of how much worse this could have been. I mean, their only win in the Champions League was a, uh, their match at home against FC Copenhagen, where Onana had his best moment, where he saved a, a penalty with the last kick of the ball in stoppage time. I mean, this See this could have, as bad as this is, it could be truly disastrous. But they've given up fourteen goals oh in five God. Champions League matches. It's it's unbelievable. To See them bottom of of the group, and 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 you look at the wins and losses column, and they have just that one win in a group with Galatasaray and Copenhagen. I don't care. I mean, we were joking about Galatasaray. They're the uh, hey, I know that guy. They're the biggest hey, oh, I know that guy. It's, team. it's unbelievable. I love their lineup. Oh, yeah. it's so cool it going through it. Ikada, Ikardi, Zaha. Oh, hang on. And Dombele. You oh, there's that, there's, oh, look at Davinson Sanchez clearing a ball. Huh. It, it's truly special. Um, But I don't care about some of the names they have. Manchester United should be beating them. Copenhagen, too. Uh, it's It's been an... If Ten Hag said tonight to Peter Schmeichel that this is a project. And if that truly is what the the board of Manchester United feel, that this is a project, if it wasn't a project, that's enough to get the manager sacked, that group alone. It really is. It's it's awful. Really awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I know I said that was it, but nights like tonight, I, you're right. Like in the grand scheme of things, you're right. That's a group that it's unacceptable for Manchester United to not be getting out of, let alone they may they may finish bottom of it. It's probably it's likely that they'll finish bottom. I would say I don't expect them to beat Bayern. Um, it's hard for me, however, tonight to blame Ten Hag. Like I always say with managers, their job is to put players in in the right positions to succeed. They scored three goals tonight. Peter Schmeichel said United's defending played well. They just had a goalkeeper who who, like you said, was throwing the ball in his own net. I don't know what a manager can do. This is who they signed. This is your goalkeeper. I, I don't know what Ten Hag is supposed to do there. You're right. Like overall, it has not. The season has not been good for him. Um, but tonight, I, I I know he said afterwards he'll take responsibility for this. That's a nice thing to say. A manager has to say that. I'm not giving him. I'm not putting this on him tonight. He's, he it, he is explicitly his signing. He's a guy he's worked with before, and he's a guy he wanted to bring to yeah. their club. So maybe that's why he takes joint responsibility. Before we get off this, just yeah. a quick sartorial note. Um, uh. Follow uh, at Museum of Jerseys 
They're very, very good. Very good uh, content if you're into your jerseys. Uh, tonight, Manchester United will wear red shorts for the first time since 1957. Oh. And it will be the first time ever for them to wear white shirts and uh, white shirts and red shorts. That had never happened? Never. Unbelievable. Yeah. It didn't it didn't look jarring. I, I, I felt jarred by it. Did you? There was a smack of like nine, mid nineteen eighties Liverpool about it. Hmm. With the red shorts. Yep. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, no, thank you, you for that. You must wear black shorts or white shorts. Okay. Okay. Well, there you have it, everyone. Uh let's see. We go on from one Premier League side who suffered a uh crushing draw to another. As Newcastle, with if it was possible for a draw to be even more soul crushing than what United's was against Galatasaray, Newcastle's might have been against PSG. I mean, they were they were that close, JJ, to picking up what, what's got to go down as one of the most memorable wins in their at least their recent history. I mean, a road win against PSG to keep your Champions League hopes alive, um, but instead those hopes are now on life support. It was um, oof, that's that, boy, that's a tough that's a tough way to drop points. Um, I I have very little sympathy usually for Newcastle United, very little, and I I I know there was a teenager and uh, zero bench for them because of their injuries, etc. I thought that was a decent eleven, still that was put out by Eddie Pope, Eddie Hope, um, Who? Eddie Hope, Eddie Hope, Eddie Hope was a comedian in the nineteen eighties. He didn't make it. And Eddie Pope um, no, was a once great U.S. men's national team. Defender. That's right. What about Eddie Howe? There we go. Um, I still think that was a decent um, Newcastle team who put in a brilliant put in a brilliant effort. And that's not a penalty. Like that's not a penalty. It's just ridiculous. It so barely flicks his hand after coming up off his thigh. Or his, the side of his chest, or whatever it was. Ah, come on. Now, um, PSG had 30 shots, 14 off target, 10 blocked, 11 came from outside the area. Newcastle were organized, they were resilient. Eddie Howe talked afterwards about how he didn't, you know, once they got the goal, he, he didn't want the guys kind of sat in and he didn't want them to change formation because he felt if they came out a little bit, PSG might score. So it was a defensive rear guard action. I'm not going to say it was robbery because PSG had such an amount of play and Nick Pope had to be absolutely brilliant. But if if a deflected ball goes in, if there's a header in or, or you know, an own goal, I'm okay with it. I'm just not okay with that penalty. It's just so, it's a nothing call. And I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I don't know. I'm not sure you do. So uh, here's what I would say in, in the days since in, in the last you know 24 hours or so, since that game ended, I feel like I've kind of seen two sides develop to this result. There's the, the side of they were robbed and there's the side of it's not like they deserved it anyway. This is probably a fair result. And, and I think that side is kind of leaning on, you know, the XG in this one, PSG's XG was 4.82. That's outrageous. Newcastle's yeah, yeah. 1.57, which is not terrible. That's not no. nothing, but 4.82. And they only finished with one goal. I mean, it's wild that it was still 1-0 in the 94th minute with, with their XG. Now, that doesn't they, – they hadn't had the penalty yet, which boosts your XG significantly. But, you know, I mean, PSG were were very good. And Mbappe had a 
I mean, he was on it in this one sensational backheel attempt on the counter that Pope stopped, uh, you know, um, was it Usman Dembele hit Fabian Schar's chest from point blank range? Almost definitely would have been a goal. Schar didn't know anything about it. Um, you know, th- there were a lot of there were a lot of near misses for PSG in this one, but none of that, like none of that matters. the The fact of the matter is, what I, I used to produce for uh, Mike Lupica, an author. I used to produce his show when he, he, did, a, he when he had a radio reporters. show. Yeah, when he had a radio show, I was I produced it um, for a few years and. He, you could go through all these what ifs and near misses, but he had this line that he always said, and there's no comeback for it. He always would say, What could have happened did. And like ultimately, all these coulda, woulda, shouldas for PSG, the fact of the matter is, it's one nil at the end of the game. And then that call is what decides the game. Newcastle were robbed because I agree with you. It's not a handball, it should never be a handball. And it's a shame that we've kind of gotten into this mess of, well, this is a handball in the Premier League. Well, this is one yes. in La Liga. Well, here's what we're going to do in the Champions League. I, I, I mean, I can see the poor VAR. I mean, no one wants to hear that. But like this guy's now been taken. He was taken off his assignment. He was supposed to be doing, I think, the Salzburg Real Sociedad match earlier today. He was removed from that assignment. So it, it's basically a, someone needs to be someone needs to be held accountable for this. And that guy was. And like, I, it's easy for me to see now why none of these guys want to do it. Who was it that talked about that? Um, not Anthony Taylor. I I can't remember now. Was it Mark Halsey? No, no, no. Was it? Uh, ah, I, I remember one of the refs in the Premier League saying that none of these guys want to do it because like it's it's this Mike, th- Dean. Mike Dean. That's right. It's this thankless job. And like, I mean. Livermento, so here's what Dale Johnson said about it, ESPN FC, who does all their refereeing analysis. He's very good. Um, he, he says it's still, he, he points out it's important to note that just because the ball deflects off of Livermento's body, because I know a lot of people are saying afterwards, oh, it's come off his body, it means it's not a penalty. That's not true. That's not true. However, Dale Johnson points out it still shouldn't have been a handball. He says Livermento's arm position wasn't extended away from his body and was a consequence of his body movement, so it shouldn't have been a handball offense. His arm, he's just, he's not making himself bigger. He's just got, he has an arm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else he can do there. And so I, the, the, the problem is Dale Johnson, he goes on to say, JJ, in April, the UEFA Football Board, a collection of former players and coaches, which acts as an an advisory board, said that deflections off the body onto the arm should not be penalized. However, this recommendation was not taken forward as it would be against IFAB guidelines of the handball law as a blanket exemption. If all deflections off the body created an automatic exemption, players could get away with blocking crosses with their arms outstretched. So I'm good with that. I generally, uh, I agree with that. But again, but... The fact that there are different laws for UEFA, the frequency of handball penalties in the Champions League is more than twice that as what you see in La Liga, which is the league with the highest number uh, of domestic leagues. And it's almost four times that of what you see in the Premier League. So these guys who are doing the VAR for Champions League, I think that their, their baseline tendency when they see a handball is to give it. And so I have a hard time killing this guy for it because, like, look at those statistics. If if a if a hand touches the ball in the Champions League, it's usually a handball. But I think that's ridiculous because I don't know how you could watch that yesterday and say, yep, handball, that should decide a game and possibly a team's Champions League campaign. 
Who could think I that? Mean, we've seen this go against PSG in the past. Um, if I remember correctly, that night where where Rio Ferdinand uh, declared, uh, put up a statue to Oli after a 2-1 win in the Champions League away in Paris. Wasn't one of the goals literally a PSG defender jumping with his back to a Marcus Rashford pile driver and it hits him in the hand with his back turned around and that was a penalty. So, again, the consistency is a problem for me. If that's a penalty, if that's a penalty, then McTominay's in Istanbul was a penalty. Sure. Stonewaller. Um, We're never going to get this thing right. I've no. said it. At the, I almost feel stupid being annoyed and angry about it on the podcast because how many times have I said no one knows what is or isn't so I'm good with it whatever they call no. yeah sure why not no one knows so what the hell with it but this now, one Eddie just seemed because this one is maybe going to decide whether or not Newcastle advanced it just felt a little more hard to stomach Eddie Howe suggested that the the vociferous and febrile atmosphere of the Parc de France may have had an influence on the referee Eddie, I don't know if you saw the one earlier on in the game uh, with Miley that hit his quad and then bounced up in his arm. VAR had a look at it and decided it wasn't a penalty. The exact same situation, and they didn't give the penalty. Well, that's again, that's the frustrating thing, I think, whether the referees, you know, he's under pressure with every decision here with the crowd, which you might not be aware of at home, that the pressure put on the referee by the crowd was extreme, and, you know, it's the last seconds of the game and he's given it. You, uh, you buying that from old Eddie, Andrew? I mean, does that stuff play into a referee's thinking? I don't I don't think I don't know that it can anymore with there being VAR. Like the the replay is gonna determine whether it is or isn't. I don't know if like outside pressure from fans does it. I, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean Eddie does like to whip up the crowd himself and St. James's Park as a cauldron is a whole concept. It's like what carried Newcastle through Manny's a year. So I don't know. And he, he also said, you didn't hear it in, in that interview with Ali McCoist and Laura Woods he, on TNT. He said that um, he felt the referee otherwise was pretty good. So it's this one decision then, obviously, that he felt he was influenced on. I don't buy it either. I don't think it's the case. I think Newcastle just got unlucky in this culture of handball. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, it sickens them, and they're, they're I mean, they're pretty. I think their goose is pretty much cooked, um, or it, it feels like it is. It anyway. feels like it'd be hard at this point for Dortmund, and I mean Dortmund's through, but PSG to not be there with them. Um, a couple other quick notes on on this one. Uh, you know, regarding Mbappe, I, I thought he was very good once again. We hadn't really heard too much lately about his on the the transfer front. But I did want to note that uh, Duncan Castles, JJ, posted hmm. uh, Kylian Mbappe yet to decide on future amidst amidst Premier League interest. France International wants club where he can win Champions League and Ballon d'Or. I'll say this: if if that's what he wants, then he he can't stay at PSG. I'm not saying he can't win the Champions League there. I do think that's possible, and who knows? Maybe if they do, um, I guess a Ballon d'Or could come with it. But I think a Ballon, I think playing in league, uh, it's just so hard to win the Ballon d'Or there. And if that's one of the things that you want to get out of your club career, I don't know that you can stay there. Yeah, but I still don't see a destination outside of, of Real Madrid. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't. Agree. I, 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 I really, I think it's such a, a, 
a, a childhood passion for him that's carried through. I mean, and he seems determined to do it. So unless he, un, unless, and we haven't, there's no reason to think this at this point, but with the Premier League becoming sort of the, the, I mean, we've said before who needs a super league when you have what's going on in right. this league with the money. I mean, yes. if he, if there are enough people in his ear telling him, look, if you really want to be considered the best, you got to be, you, that's where you got to be. And you got to be going head to head with Erling Holland. And you, you know, think yes. of what that would do for, for your fame. And um, I think so too. And maybe, maybe the, you're right. Maybe the landscape has changed. The Liga is, which was probably the premier league. Or I guess I should say it another way. The premier league in Europe is now being well and truly taken over by the Premier League, and he needs he needs to have that limelight every week. Like him away at Real Zaragoza isn't going to cut it. You might be right about that. Whereas the eyes of the world are on the Premier League. The only thing I'd say of the prospective suitors, uh, Manchester City won't do it because they're under the they're under investigation for everything under the microscope of financial fair play. It can't happen at Chelsea. It can't happen. It's Why? Unlikely because of their financial, yeah, their financial. I mean, situation. we don't even we don't even know what sanction is going to come for 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 historic irregularities there, and and the money they've already spent. I don't. I'm not sure I see it happening. I'm not saying that it can't happen. I I don't see it happening. And Liverpool would have have to launch a. They'd have to embark on a just a different era of the club in terms of wage structures, in terms of 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 everything that they've done so far. To accommodate well, this, I'm not saying say they haven't spent money. If, they if, have, but they they don't if, usually go for this kind of player. But if if two hundred something million are coming back at them with Salah heading off to Saudi Arabia, I mean, you're right. This isn't necessarily what they do, but the money is now there to do it. Yeah, I I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of don't like speculating about it because I'm so firm in my belief that he will be a Real Madrid player. Player, yeah, I get player at some point. Um, one other quick note on this. Uh, Nick Pope made just an unbelievable save on Barkala that I, I don't know how he scored that. That chance alone probably boosted PSG's XG by almost a full goal. I'm yeah. starting to, maybe we've said this before, but like, does Jordan Pickford just kind of like have the job for life as England goalkeeper? Nick Pope is, he's done pretty good for Jordan Newcastle. Pickford. Jordan Pickford has the consensus behind him. And he's also got a great track record as England goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Gary Lineker's podcast and the rest is football with Micah Richards and Shearer. And they did a kind of a mailbag special. And the first question was, name your England 11s for the summer. Each one of them picked Pickford. There is the kind of media consensus and, and groundswell of opinion that he is number one for all the things he does. And mm-hmm. we know how loyal Gareth Southgate is. So unless he starts doing on Anna and starts throwing it into the net, I think he's a lock. I yeah you're probably right. I guess just seeing Pope like doing look Pickford has done it internationally, so we've seen him do it. But seeing Pope do it in in the Champions League, saving Mbappe shots, you know, it's just I don't know. You you think maybe there could be more of a competition there than what it seems like there is. But if everyone's content with Pickford, he's not bad. He's, he's fine. I just I don't know that he would be my number one. But all right, whatever. Um, so yeah, tough on Newcastle. We move on. JJ Manchester City. Come back from two goals down against Leipzig. Uh, they ensure they'll finish top of the group. Um, Erling Holland in this one, scoring his 40th Champions League goal, becoming the quickest to reach that number, doing it in 35 matches, uh, which prompted this exchange between a reporter and Pep 
after the match. The the reporter, the, you'll hear Pep here, the reporter asking Pep, uh, how good is Erling Holland? Again? <laughs> I have to tell you again. <laughs> the first time I'm really impressed. In the day one and the today. Another breaker, congratulations. And it's a fantastic player. Okay. So I told you many times, so we are really, really <laughs> pleased about him. And of course, help us make a, a good goal in the first half. Always is there. We love him. How good is Erling Holland, JJ? So do me a favor. You're, you're well-versed in, in journalism and in, in media. You've asked mm-hmm. questions and of, of, to very famous coaches and players before. Put on your reporter hat for me here. Uh, at this stage in Erling Holland's existence, asking Pep, how good is Erling Holland? Is that an okay question to to be asking on a night like this, or is it is it ridiculous as Pep seemed for it to be? Yeah, it's is he wasting everyone's been, time? It is wasting people's time. It's like so much content in football is is a waste of time. You've got that few seconds or minutes with Pep. Ask something else. Ask some. Ask anything else. Now I'll say this about it. However, it's like ridic- asking how hot is the sun? However ridiculous it might be, it's the only response that anyone really noticed after that game. It did garner the attention. So it did. It I kind of worked. In its, in its banality, it frustrated Pep. Also, Pep doesn't really like. He's not huge on singling out in, individuals, if I'm correct when I think about it, in in terms of. Especially not Holland. I don't think he's ever been that that generous to Holland. He knows he's good, but Pep would look at it. I feel like Pep would look at it this way: that oh, you're focusing on Holland. Look at look at the team. Look at the actions we did. Look at the formations. Look at the way we played. Like Pep kind of likes to see things in the whole, and like it's not just stick Erling Holland up and he'll score goals. And so that would frustrate him. I mean, he was frustrated early on about Holland. He was just frustrated after six or eight weeks of Holland last season. Uh, so, you know, not not frustrated with Holland, but frustrated with the Holland question. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't ask it. There's, yeah, I don't know that I would a chance either. with him. Ask something different, you know? How, or um, find a different way, maybe. How good is Erling Holland? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's how the good answer is perfect. Yeah. That's a perfect answer. Ask, like, or even, ask him, like, did you, because this was, maybe kind of did this did it cross your mind to not play him because you're at home it's the final game you're you've qualified but just ask anything else how good is early Haaland is yeah but i mean he got he got a reaction that's he gone did. viral so i guess in today's world it's not about asking a worthwhile question it's asking about asking a question that elicits a response that can be then monetized um across <laughs> elon musk's x uh, met his Instagram and Facebook, respectively. And caught offside, because it also and got played offside. here. Um, JJ, Jack Grealish back in the starting 11 for this one, came off fairly early. After, I think it was around 53 minutes. Um, who scored posted this. Most uh, big chances created in the Champions League this season. Five. Phil Foden and Jack Grealish, along with David Rahm of Leipzig, who, oddly enough, was also in this game. Yeah. He's still um, got to leave, though. <laughs> I'm sticking so with that. The, the, Get out. The, the Doku Grealish situation. I don't know mm-hmm. if we've asked this question just yet. Is this a good problem or a bad problem? Great problem. Okay. Great problem. Because you've got Grealish who is already deeply 
uh, what's the word? I was going to say brainwashed. That's not the right word. Deeply educated in the way that Pep likes to play. Who's frustrated and wants an opportunity against a player like Doku, who has just come in and is tearing it up. Pep has options. If he wants a bit more control, a bit more of the ball, kill a game. You know the way City strangle games? Yeah. With possession? Grealish is your man. And if he wants that kind of something to unnerve a defense, he's got Doku. So he's got those options. But for me, the form Doku is and the way he plays, he's got to start. Yeah, I know. Game. And I, it drives me and, nuts. And, I, yeah, I see, I I see Grealish out there. He's long been one of my guys. I, I've loved his game for years. Um, and I still do. When I see him on the ball, he's so dangerous. He's got great vision. He's a great passer. Uh, if this is how it's going to be, and I don't know that it is. Look, things change like the wind blows sometimes with that club. Guys who are persona non grata. I mean, Riyad Mahrez, it took him a while. And then all of a sudden he, you know, he was a hugely important. Bernardo Silva went through a period where we. Absolutely. Nearly gone. So, so, so who knows? Doku at the first sign of a, of poor form, Pep might yank him and Grealish the second half of the season, we might be looking at this saying, remember when Doku used to start <laughs> crazy. So who knows? But uh, look, they're both great. Doku has been amazing. I just, uh, something about Grealish. I love his game. And it's, if this is how it's going to be, then I'm with you. He's got to go. I, I yeah. need to I need to watch him. We can't waste his prime years sitting on the bench. I mean, he's 28 now. Yeah. That that is that is advanced uh for outfield player. And um where can he go? City won't let go of him. Um money's money's got to be right, so it kind of limits his options a bit. Very much so. Yeah, and he's going into European championships though. He don't think he's not thinking about England. I don't think he is. He's absolutely thinking about that. I know. And the competition well, for some of those places, they've ramped up. I mean, James Madison will be healthy again with the season he's had. It's yeah. going to be hard. He hasn't had a tournament yet for England. Like oh, That's unbelievable. One where you, yeah, one where you can say, well, here's the thing. He did show a heck of a lot of commitment that took him into his mid-20s at Aston Villa. Like, he didn't leave when they went down. Mm-hmm. He stayed... He stayed when they, you know, to make sure they got up. What did they spend? Was it two seasons down? I think it was. You know, and and then he didn't leave immediately when he came back up. So so those years are gone now. And he's kind of in that period where he's got to be the main man. I'm not saying like his career is over at 30 or 31, but we know how these things go. Mm-hmm. And um, he needs to be a center, not not a backup. And, uh, and I... I just don't see that right now from uh, one other note on this. It should be pointed out. Like I said, city came from behind. They were down. <laughs> they were down two nil uh, in this one as Luis Penda with two goals, pretty memorable night for him on the Leipzig side of things. He's now got four goals in five champions league matches, nine goals and three assists in the Bundesliga this season. Um, I don't know, JJ, yet another big time Belgian starting to emerge. When you start to see guys like him and Doku, uh, Johan Bakayoko doing what he's doing at age 20 at PSV. Trussard is still 28. Even Lukaku and Courtois are only 30 and 31. And Lukaku, for whatever you want to say about his club form, he's actually been really good for Belgium. Um, you know, maybe we, uh, what's the Mark Twain quote? Uh, reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Oh, you keep banging this drum about Belgium, though. May you not really be over. Do. May but not you be don't over want yet. To let them go. <laughs> it, I don't think it's over. I still think there'll be a force, but. That moment where they're the best team and 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 the and the and serious favorites might be, 
Roberto Martin Martinez may have, have, have wasted our time as well. That's the wrong reports man. Of their, reports of their demise. Let's just wait and see here. Hold on. Let's just wait. Uh, one other note, uh, we'll get a few more Champions League things. Uh, before we go to break, I just wanted to mention, I know you mentioned it earlier today uh, when you and I were, were chatting, um, Atletico Madrid, Mario Hermoso's goal. Oh, wow. come on. You think he meant it? Oh, he definitely did. He had a little look over his shoulder. I mean, Thierry Henry agrees with me, so obviously. A little look over his shoulder. It's just such a perfect goal. It's such a good finish. Up, delicate, deft. Um, Oh, beautiful. I absolutely loved it. Oh, God, did I love it. Yeah. I, I loved the uh, the look on Simeone's face afterwards. Even he, <laughs> he seems like a man who's hard to impress. Um, And he had kind of a look of like, Phew. How about that one? Yeah. Like... It was beautiful. <laughs> just hook it over just to oh, it's 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 such a such a clever, clever finish. Yeah. I remember was it I think Robbie Keane scored one like that for Coventry when he was uh when he was nineteen or twenty and it was it, it stuck with me since. Just a awesome, awesome goal. And I whatever it is, I, I always say it. Rotterdam de Kuyp is just it's an amazing ground. I, I love agree. watching games there. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It looks. I don't know. Some. I can't explain why, but sometimes games in certain places look big, look bigger. Like the yeah. the stature of the game. I don't know. Like, is it how it's, the fans are like positioned? Yeah, well, you see like little are... little faces uh, and like many of them behind the goal. I don't know. It's weird. So so the fans are super close to the field, but there's also a trench that goes right around it. Unless they've got rid of the trench because of health and safety, but there was a trench. So so people can't get onto the field. I'm talking a literal ditch, a moat around just uh, between the fans and the field that goes around it. So the fans are really close, but yet dangerously close to a medieval death. And um, yeah, there are alligators in that moat. <laughs> and also just the roof. The roof is old school. It's like a corrugated tin roof that slopes inward. It's like a, a bowl. Absolutely love that place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead. We'll take a quick break. Come back on the other side. A few more Champions League things to discuss. little uh, possible rule change in the Premier League or any league, I guess, around the world uh, to discuss. And um, I'll reveal, JJ, the anniversary that I was referring to. More caught offside still to come. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, caught offside. So, JJ, we're we're here on November 29th, 2023, recording this podcast. Do you know what took place on November 29th, 2022? 
Um, was it the opening game of the World Cup? No. No, it wouldn't have been. The World Cup was on at least a week, wasn't it? Longer. Mm. Mm. No, I don't know. This. Justin McKay, Des making a big run. It's meant for him. Des is stuck in behind. Des in the middle. Pull it back. Scores. Might have paid the price. But the U.S. takes the lead. Oh, oh what, a, what a fun, fun, fun day uh, that wound up being. That's right, Polisic, the goal. The win for the U.S. against Iran, I guess, um, some measure of revenge from '98, uh, as the U.S. go through, advance with their superstar scoring the goal that puts them through and and badly injuring himself. I mean, he did play again, but he he was forced to leave that game early uh, on the collision from that goal. Oh my uh, God! Right into his um, baby making region. Yeah. So I, yeah. when I was watching that, I was just kind of thinking about that moment the time since and i'm just sort of wondering like how has that moment aged in the last year because uh, i don't know maybe maybe this is just me i feel like i feel like it should be thought of in a higher light than it is and i i wonder if some of like the weirdness of the last year of u.s soccer with what happened immediately after that first of all they got beat pretty soundly in their next game against the Dutch. And then, so you kind of had that negativity and then the immediate wave of negativity of, of the Bearhalter Reina controversy. I feel like some of the good feelings of that moment have sort of swept it away a little. And that's a shame because it's, I mean, let's be honest. It's probably one of the, it's one of the biggest goals in the history of us men's soccer. I don't think that, I don't think there's any disputing that. Am I wrong? Am I, am I reading it wrong? Are people still like, I don't think I haven't. I remember on the night and the days afterwards, there was lots of talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was also it was also my national TV debut. I was on uh, PBS uh, NewsHour. Can you believe that? Discussing the political situation surrounding it and the game. My fat head. I was on PBS NewsHour. I. I don't get it. I but it's amazing that it happened. What I do you love mean it. You don't get it. You on to discuss geopolitics? Yeah, and and geo Reina. Oh, st- like like I don't get you don't get it either. You're as amazed as anyone that you wound up on PBS NewsHour. Sorry, I've been on PBS NewsHour twice in the last year. Twice. What was the other time for? When Pele passed away. Don't say you don't again, get again. It. Value uh, me, Pe- love me. The greatest player you- in the history of soccer passed away today. Brazilian Pele. Let's go now to J.J. Devaney for more. (laughs) That's unbelievable. This is one of the great success stories of all time. Whether you like it or not, I worked for ESPN for the best part of a decade. What do you mean whether I like it or not? I loved it. None of this would be happening right now. So why wouldn't you ask me about these things? You know what? Yeah, you're right. You're an expert. You know what? Jesus. Venerate at the the altar of Roger Bennett. Uh, Throw yourself. At the at the catacomb of Taylor Twelman, but don't give me any credit. Don't give me anything. Sicken. With this uh, has gone nasty. This has gone. Ta- I sorry. Can I get back to the question? So, well, we, I we, don't. I, it's lost in the weirdness that goal. It's well, also no. kind of lost because we should have kind of we were expected to kind of beat them. It's not like ninety eight. Um, and also 
the fact that we went then and we played Holland and got and got nicely thumped. That's why it's gone. So a couple months ago, um, Jonathan Tannenwald, who covers soccer for the Philadelphia Inquirer and does so excellently, he oh, made he a does list. It excellently, but you know what about me? If he popped up on PBS NewsHour, I'd say now this makes sense. You f- disgust me. <laughs> so he came up with he made a list of the ten most significant goals in the history of the U.S. men's national team. You want to guess if the Pulisic one made the top 10? It definitely did because of his, because of our recent memories. Number five on the list. The the only ones he had ahead of it. I'll give you the whole list. Why not? So number 10 was John Brooks's winner versus Ghana in the 2014 world cup. Number nine, he had Clint Dempsey versus Spain in the 2009 Confederations Cup. And he kind of put Altidore's goal in like parentheses also, but he technically had Dempsey. Number eight, Ernie Stewart versus Mexico in World Cup qualifying in 2001. Number seven, he had Brian McBride against Portugal in the 02 World Cup. Number six, Benny Failhaber versus Mexico in the uh, the 07 Gold Cup. Five was the Pulisic goal versus Iran. Four, Ernie Stewart versus Colombia in the 94 World Cup. Three, Donovan... Yeah, Donovan versus Algeria in 2010, obviously. And then number two, Joe Gations against England in 1950. And yep. I guess not really a surprise, Paul Caligiri versus Trinidad and Tobago in World Cup qualifying in 89. The goal I think that, um, that made I think all that's a fine possible. list. You could you could argue you could argue to have um Ernie Stewart's at number one, I think. Which one? Like, uh, the the one against Colombia? Absolutely. Absolutely. Colombia went into that tournament absolutely scorching hot favorites. It's and hard for, for US- Caligiri to not be one because it, I think the way that goal is perceived here in the United States is just like it's th- like that goal, whatever the big bang was to the creation of the universe is what that goal is to soccer in this country. Like it's, yeah. I know that it's weird because the U.S. had already been awarded the 94 World Cup. So like even if that goal doesn't happen, I guess you could say that tournament could have then spawned like turned whatever we have now, like it could still be here because of that tournament, but it just felt like that goal was such a big bang moment to that, to the sport in this country. Uh, so I, I'm that one, I think is probably just always going to be number one. And it's, it's still one of the most amazing visuals. If you can get up the tape of it, just a stadium full of red and black. And they had signs like USA, no way. And they, I, I mean, Trinidad and Tobago were where they were there. They were just ready to celebrate their first World Cup, and uh, and then the walls came crashing down. Yeah. And speaking of big goals, I'm looking at this rundown, and it's a little bit shorn of Pepe. What that that could go down in the context? I have it in the... mind. Oh, I I you know what? I sent you the rundown before that game happened, so I added it uh, to my rundown, and I didn't send it to you. The, the well, addition. Well, let's talk about it now because. A winning yeah, 90, 90 second minute goal and a super goal off a great cross, brilliant header, towering header from Ricardo Pepe to win the game. Magnificent moment for 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 him and potentially for. I saw our friend uh, Doug McIntyre mm, tweeting. I have that here. Yeah, tweeting. That's the kind of goal at the at the highest level and the biggest stage that will that could catapult him ahead of of Balogun in in the rankings. Heath Pierce, also friend of friend of ours um he's been high on peppy for for a couple of years now and 
He was pretty much beating that drum again tonight. I uh, mean, look, I don't want I'll F it. I'll throw myself in the mix. This has been a I have made this a topic on this show for the last two, three, I forget how many now international breaks or windows that the U.S. have played in as Pepe has continued to score goals. And Balogun, while he's been fine, he has not lit anything on fire. And I, I've been asking this question for a while. Like, is this becoming a competition? I, it is now. I, I, I think Balogun is still the guy, but I don't know how much more Pepe could do to make this into a legitimate competition. And I, and that's why it was very interesting and a little bit telling to me that in this last most recent window, Bearhalter tried the two of them out there together to see if that could work. Cause that might be, maybe that's where we're headed. I wouldn't well, be against it. Try it again. Because I think you, I think we've been looking, do we have, do we have one guy who can play that position? Well, through competition, maybe we actually are finding out we have two. Andrew, with PSV heading to the knockout stages of the Champions League, a couple of more cameos from Pepe, and I think he's ahead. It's going to be fascinating to see how the remainder of their club seasons play out because it's almost, I mean, it's kind of an, it's now an audition for Copa America. Mm. And we'll see if one of them, if Pepe flourishes or if Balogun flourishes, then, you know, I think right now they're kind of running neck and neck. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. Good for Pepe, man. I just, I love the, I love where this is all headed from, from his, from a story perspective. I mean, he really, like, to not have made the team for that World Cup, what a blow that was to that guy. And to see him just like use that and respond the way that he has, I just, I think that's what you want to see as a fan. If you're a coach, like that's you want to see guys not wilt from that kind of moment. You want to see them use it, and he has so done that. And so he, stuff like that makes it very easy for me to root for a guy. Not that I'm rooting against Balogun. I'm not rooting against anyone. But I just love what Pepe has done in the face of that kind of adversity. Good for him, man. Yeah. What a moment that was. Wonderful. Um, and and it also spawns a little bit of a trivia question, JJ. Trivia. Uh, Ricardo Pepe is the second. U.S. men's national team player to score a stoppage time winning goal in a Champions League match. Who was the first? Stoppage time winning goal, the first. In a Champions League match. Here's your hint. Didn't happen that long ago. It's fairly, somewhat recent. Pretty recent. Pulisic. No. Okay, go on. You'll remember it as soon as I say it. Okay, go on. Just on the Fock against United. Oh, that's right. Yeah. On the turf in Basel. <laughs> yeah. I remember it well. Yeah. That's when PFOC was, he was just a name on everybody's lips, but we were getting his name wrong because we were calling him Jordan Sibichu. No, time. he was, we knew that he was PFOC at that point. That was, on, that was only a couple, it was a year, two years ago. Yeah. Only PFOC. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess while we're here, JJ, you want to hear the Pepe goal? Let's listen to it. Yeah, yeah let's have a listen. Tessin, who's done excellently since his introduction from the bench. And that's a good ball in as well. And it's a winning goal. Ricardo Pepe. An incredible climax. From 2-0 down. PSV have snatched it in stoppage time. Good for him. And good for PSV. I mean, turning around that deficit. That's this is a fun little season that this is turning into for them. 
Uh, so yeah, for them, we'll really see. Is. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where this all goes. Uh, a couple other ones here. Um, Champions League results. Arsenal. Uh, boy, remember their last match against is it Lens Lon? Lons. Lon. Lons. I did not take French in uh, high school. Lons. Uh, JJ Arsenal. Good lord. Four nil after half an hour. Five nil at half. Six nil on the night. Uh, and Arsenal are through to the uh, the Champions League knockout stage. So um, I just saw uh, Gabriel Jesus in his tidy little turn and finish. That was really good. He sent two guys to the shops and then slotted at home. And I saw a really good goal from uh, the volley from Odegaard, hmm. um, which was nice. Um, but apart from that, didn't see anything else. Couldn't believe Lance uh, fell, fell apart quite yeah. like that. But there we go. Not, not bad for a team that has uh, yet to click. No, that was good. Maybe this is the sound of clicking, although I, I'm not 100% convinced. And Jamie Carragher did a Monday night football basically parroting what we've been saying for the last few weeks. So maybe we're all wrong and Arsenal are indeed, they're not just clicked, they're fully clicked. First English team ever to lead by five at the half and the first team ever in the Champions League to have five different goal scorers in the first half. Not bad. Yeah, It was on course for a real... Real thumping. I think six was six was conservative. Uh, we, we're, compared to where we thought thought it would end up. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Barcelona. Uh, boy, they were feeling the heat. I think when they went down a goal at home mm. or their temporary home against Porto, uh, but they do turn it around. They qualify for the last sixteen of the Champions League for the first time since the 2020, 2021 season. Is that so right? Weird. That's that is yeah. I mean, you used to just pen their name into like the you know, at least the quarters, um, but finally back into the knockout stages. Uh, they were this was kind of an interesting one. They were under real pressure for big chunks of the early part of this game, um, but uh, you know, Taremi had a goal disallowed for offside. I mean, FC Porto looked pretty good, um, but then Barca, it was like Barca flipped a switch uh, after the. Uh, the initial goal for Porto uh, Cancelo scored a gorgeous individual goal right after that. Um, you know, you had Jao Felix with an opportunity uh, It just kind of came one after another, after another. And then Felix, eventually he got one on a feed from Cancelo. Sometimes I watch Jao Cancelo. He was so good. I mean, he was unbelievable in this game for Barcelona, the goal, the assist, uh, like look, Manchester city have been fine. Obviously, they they went on and won a treble. But I sometimes watch Cancelo, and I'm just like, how did, how did a team have him and was like, nah, not good enough? It's weird. like I know there's more to it. I know a lot of it was attitude, and City don't need that. But like, boy, I don't know. I I watch the guy sometimes, and I'm just like, I'm just mesmerized by how good he can be at that do position. You think, do you think because he's so good, and it's hard to really figure out footballing wise why this was done. Do you think Pep just had some kind of neuroses like Larry David has with people? You know, he just can't be around people for like, say, for example, he was a loud eater. You know, he's in the he's in the city <laughs> canteen and he's just you can hear him slurping his soup and going when he eats his pasta. Was it something like that? I well, think maybe, th- maybe th- like chronic, chronic farts. Like just the worst kind of farts all the time, and he's stinking up the place. And Pep thought it's just easier to get rid of this guy. See, this is on. This is how rumors spread. This is not right. What you're doing to poor Jao Cancelo? No, uh, I'm comparing Pep to another bald fraud. Um, 
Larry David. Uh, I think that Cancelo was probably exactly what Pep wanted in that moment, where he felt like, okay, we're really good, but this could all go stale. I need to do something. And maybe Cancelo just had just the right amount of bad attitude at just the right time for Pep to say, that's it, you're gone. And like Cancelo was just great enough where that could reverberate in a huge way through that locker room where like if he needed to in some way like re-energize the room like frighten them a little bit into upping yeah. their game like Cancelo was maybe just the perfect level of scapegoat to do that with Cancelo cut those sideburns Pep I don't know if you know what sideburns it that's it you're off the team yeah if I don't know it's just Sometimes he was so good. Um, So, yeah, Barcelona are through. I I continue to be totally unsure of what their ceiling is, especially, I mean, Gavi's out eight to ten months, which is just brutal. But I don't know. If you told me Barcelona went on and won it, I'd say, yeah, maybe. If you told me they're out in the round of 16, I'd say, yeah, maybe. They're just weird. They're they're a weird team right now. Um, Real Madrid and Napoli. Boy, I kind of wish we got this matchup a year ago. But instead we have it now. Uh, in the group stage for the second time. Um, early goal from Napoli, immediately answered by Real Madrid and Rodrigo. Shortly Very after cool. that, Bellingham scores again. 15 goals say, and 16 appearances for uh, Madrid now. Yeah. But 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 I just, I watched that goal over and over again. So like it's, a, on the first watch, it's Alaba to Bellingham, super run, super ball, brilliant looping header, just a great goal. But then when you see it on the replay, Bellingham starts his run from the center forward position. This isn't the case of arriving late. His position was center forward when he started the run. I unbelievable. And it makes you wonder, you know, does Garrett Southgate think about maybe rejigging things and having him play much further up the field in the summer? I don't know. It just f- fantastic. Um, four appearances, four goals and two assists in the champions league this season. Uh, and then, you know, the go-ahead goal for Real Madrid, uh, Napoli clawed back, clawed themselves back into it. It's two-two. Uh, Alex Merritt got to save Nico Paz's goal, but it's, I mean, it's a, it's it, it's great for him because he's like nineteen or whatever. Uh, but it's like keeper, top keeper saves that. Um, and then. I Martin Tyler was on the call for this and he just made a noise about uh Hasselu, who or Jocelyn, who had missed a ton of chances earlier in the game. And um just have a listen to this. Bellingham's making the run, he slides Hasselu in and uh, just listen to the noise that Martin Tyler makes. Hasselu lurking on the left. Bellingham trying to play him through and Hasselu finished this. Oh, just not been his half, has it? That got me. I don't know if everyone else will find that as funny as I do, but it's like, uh, here's slides finds Hosselu. Oh, <laughs> hey, good for him though because he did wind up scoring. Yeah, sure, but the the ultimate disappointment in that was uh, was special. Um, and who says Martin Tyler doesn't care? If anything, he cares too much. <laughs> um, um, Ancelotti had some interesting things to say afterwards. Uh, some funny things, maybe not that interesting. Um, Kian uh, Shabani from the Managing Madrid uh, podcast website 
Uh, Ancelotti explaining the difference between Zidane and Bellingham. Zidane had a very unique individual quality. Bellingham is a modern footballer who covers a lot of ground. I feel like that's not, that's damning him with fame praise. I mean, they're obviously different, technically very different. But a modern footballer who covers a lot of ground, I I would just say to him, say more. Yeah, say more things. Right, he's more. He's like. Let's not just describe Bellingham like he's some kind of glue guy. Yeah, kind of hard worker. Yeah, I love James Milner, but he's not James Milner. (laughs) Um, And Sid Lowe. I mean, this this feels like one of those uh, pointed compliments. Uh, Ancelotti on Bellingham. He could improve his Spanish. I always say nobody's perfect. That's a nice compliment. All right. If you're asking how how can this player improve, but you don't want to gas him up too much, you say something like that. that He's got cool. he. They need to keep him grounded because yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would think that they really, really do. Yeah. Um, um, real quickly on the Napoli side, I don't know, JJ. The uh, the encore performance has not hasn't been quite uh, what maybe you you would have hoped. Um, no, they're they're um, likely going through in the Champions League, but it's been a bit of a slog. Seven points through five games, a negative goal difference. Um, currently fourth in Serie A, eight points back of Inter, who are first. You had the whole weird Osimhen stuff that felt like yeah. it might run him right on out of there. Um, not not been terrible. I mean, look, if they're fourth and they're going most likely to the knockout stage, it's not a disaster. But if you wanted if you wanted more of the same from last year, you're not getting it. And Osimhen no. is hurt, so I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, not quite the same. New manager, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's the vibe's not the same. It's yes. just really not the same. Um, it was a moment in time, nothing more. I feel like sometimes with a club like Napoli, that's that's what it is. Uh, should mention we were crying about how we haven't seen the Benfica of last season. Well, we saw a little bit of it today. Uh, João Mario hat trick in a three three. <laughs> they went three nil up, um, and then inter uh, pegged them back uh, in a three three tie. Uh, Marco Anautovic. He's a guy uh, who now plays for Inter Milan, and he uh, he scored one of the goals. Uh, David Fratesi with the other one, and Alexis Sanchez. Remember him? He scored two. So three uh, three draw, very entertaining stuff. And the other game I wanted to mention because we have a listener who is a Glasgow Celtic supporter. So Celtic lost two 0 to um, to Lazio. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting banner at that game, Andrew. A bit of anti Irish uh, sentiment. So uh, Lazio fans, supporters, we we know what a lot of them are. And the uh, the Curva Nord unveiled a banner uh, last night saying, the famine is over, go home, potato eaters. Expletive potato eaters. Yeah. Uh, referencing the Irish support and uh, Celtic being an Irish club and Glasgow largely having a big Catholic Irish population because of the um, immigration from the after the Irish potato famine. Yeah, yeah not pretty not ab- pretty abhorrent. Um, pretty bad. I mean, I it, like it doesn't it doesn't hurt me, and I I kind of like the potato eaters part of it. That part I kind of chuckled at, and I feel like the famine, even though it had profound profound effects on Ireland, and you know, I don't I don't carry it with me. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I don't like I think about it because I'm into my history and I do wonder about the long-term effects of something like that has on a population. But 
you know, it's, I guess it's, I, I'm not that bothered by it, although I, it is it's nasty, obviously. And, and yeah. it's, it's sectarian is, is the main thing that it is. It's, um, the go home is just identifying that the long running trope in Glasgow, that Catholic Irish in there are not, they're immigrants, they're not welcome and they need to go back to where they came from. So I guess that's the, that's the nasty, nastiness of it. And I, I'm sure it's a response to Celtic who have been hardcore whenever Lazio show up, they unveil a banner of uh, Mussolini hanging in the square and uh, with the, with the words, follow your leader beside it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's intense. I always knew that would be tasty. And, um, and so it, so it's turned out to be. Yeah. Um, It was an interesting, it was an interesting match day for fan behavior. We didn't even talk about what happened with the Newcastle fans in Paris who were, I mean, Let's be honest. They were attacked by PSG fans, kind of trapped in a bar, and yeah. held there, and chairs being thrown through the windows to try to get at them. I mean, it was there's videos of it online. It's ugly. It's pretty heinous. Between Marseille fans, the Lyon ultras, PSG's ultras, it does kind of feel like France is is the France is how would we put it lively. France has got some. Nasty elements in its support. Right? It does. It does. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're seeing that. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think regularly that's, that's playing out. Um, I don't have anything else in the Champions League. JJ, I have a couple other no. things before we get out on the uh, the podcast here tonight. Um, the first one being, I just wanted to mention. Oh, I, I, I sorry, I never, I, I never forgot. I I opened by saying we have a Celtic sporting listener who asked the question. So let. Should I do that quickly? I can't forget uh, Zaki Stugatz. Um, he just asked, "What does Celtic need to do to be to be better?" Um, oh, I thought I thought what you talked about was what he was mentioning. No, no, oh, no. you no. just brought Sorry. that up. Okay, no, I wanted to mention it because it was in, it was on my mind. Um, what does Celtic need to do? I don't expect them to be world beaters, but this is just unacceptable. It's been a bad group stage. I think Brendan Rodgers' appointment was was a mistake. I know they needed someone to get in after Tottenham poached Big Ange. Uh, but the football hasn't been as good as it was under Big Ange. And honestly, they need to spend money, and they don't spend money. No, they they don't they won't do that. And I think they need to open the purse strings and bring in quality and focus on the Champions League. Really, really spend the kind of money to get into the next round. But um, that's not the way they operate. Sorry, Andrew, that was rude. Let's get back to what you were talking about. No, all good. Um, a couple other quick stories before we get out here. I uh, wanted to mention that um, Rodrigo Bentoncor of Spurs. Add him to the list. He will now, he will now miss the next few months for oh Tottenham with torn ankle ligaments suffered in Sunday's Jesus. loss against Aston Villa. I mean, the guy was making his first start. He made a few appearances off the bench, but he was making his first start following eight months out with a torn ACL. Comes back, Matty Cash takes him out. Torn ankle ligaments. At least going to be probably around three months. Um, and it's just fascinating that this midfield, which had depth for days, now has no one. Now, Basuma, he's going to be back. He was just serving a one-match suspension for um, card accumulation. But Saar, hurt on international duty. Madison, out, injured. Bentoncourt, hurt. In January, they're going to lose Basuma and Saar, who are going off to the Africa Cup of Nations. So it's not known exactly how long they'll be gone for. Now, Madison should be back by then, but Bentoncourt won't. Um, it's just wild. I mean, we, you know, it's interesting, though, because I'm looking at them now, and I'm we're going on and on about how Tottenham need to go out in January and get reinforcements. Well, look at the guys who are going to get a shot now to kind of stem the tide. You got 
you got basically, I know he was hurt during the World Cup, but a guy who has kind of proven to be a first 11 player for Argentina in Giovanni Lo Celso, and a Danish international in Pierre-Emil Hoybier, who's been coveted by Atletico Madrid, Juventus, Ajax. Um, so like January window, okay, go for it all you want. I know a lot of Spurs fans have kind of had it with both of those players, but I don't know. This is a chance here for those guys to prove that you don't need a January window. Okay. You have a couple, you're not going to find better than us who are willing to come to this club right now in this moment. So like, let's see, prove it. This, these guys are going to have a run of games now. And Brian Heal too. I should include him in you're that. You're going to see also. a lot of Brian Heal, who we thought was a bust. Um, Lo Celso is a good player. Hasn't shown it enough at Spurs, but is a good player. Yeah. And uh, you're probably going to see a lot of skip too, Andrew, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Who's solid. Like, again, he's not, I don't view him as this is a guy who takes us into the Champions League. Kind of have him on that like Harry Winks level for Spurs. A little bit of a different player, but sort of like he's fine. Good player. But if Tottenham want to reach that next level, not sure he's quite it. But we'll see. These guys are going to have a chance. Um, it's unfortunate because their midfield looked to be their absolute strength. And now it's a huge question mark. Some interesting, tough days ahead. They got Manchester City this weekend. That's, oh dear. Uh, a bit of breaking news, JJ. Um, MLS announcing uh, just a short while ago, while we were recording, uh, Matt Miazga, who was only just named MLS Defender of the Year, he will now be suspended for the rest of the season and find an undisclosed amount, I'm reading from The Athletic, uh, and he must undergo a behavioral assessment through the Substance Abuse and Behavioral Health Program after Whoa. entering the official's locker room following FC Cincinnati's win over the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena on November 4th. Miazga can petition for a reduction in suspension based on continued commitment and compliance with any recommended treatment programs. Um, yeah, he uh, he, quote, had to be forcibly removed from the locker room um and it's interesting because pat noonan was asked about it he said that this was basically a fabrication again i'm reading the quote here from noonan in the athletic uh noonan said about it it's an hour and a half after the game he's got a pizza box in his hand i think people have this notion that he was in his cleats running into that room it's been fabricated what happened that part's also disturbing hopefully we can come to a conclusion that has him back on the field um the uh Professional Soccer Referees Association said the player gained unauthorized entry into the locker room and, quote, acted in an aggressive and hostile manner when security intervened. Oh. Wow. This. That seems appropriate. It has to be. Oh, God. What a ridiculous. (laughs) That is what a a ridiculous thing for him to have done. The defender of the all- year for for the club that's the favorite to go on and win MLS Cup. He's their best defender, and this is this is why he's going to miss the rest of the season because of just an absolute total loss of rational I mean, thought. I mean, the second, the I mean, the yellow he got for for baiting the the South Ward and blowing kisses towards them was ridiculous, and trying to making the heart signal and trying to that was dumb anyway. But he was he was clearly on one, trying to get into the referee's room. Yeah. Um, Although in the past that was a um, that happened more often. That can't happen. I mean that that has. Anymore. I think that has to be. There has to that be a, a serious thing. punishment. That, that, that used to be a thing. Well, but there's a reason it's not anymore because s- smarter brains got together and said this shouldn't be a thing. This is unsafe. Something. This is this is a ticking time bomb. Um, 
wow, what a way to have your best defender miss the the semifinal and, and possibly and, and him on a personal level. These don't come around that often. You know what MLS is like. Cincinnati could be rubbish next year, <laughs> or at least if not rubbish, not as good as they were. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. It's possible. That's uh, that's unbelievable. Geez. That's unbelievable. Um, and then finally, JJ, before we get out, there's been a lot of talk this week about the sin bin. Uh, uh, so there's there's talk of um, this being trialed in in fairly high leagues around the world, where players who receive a yellow card will essentially go into a penalty box no. for 10 minutes. No. So I I don't know what you would think my thought on this would be. I do I try hard to not just be the you hate everything guy. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be the hate everything guy. I want to be open to ideas and I and I'm going to think about things with what I think Deeply. is logical thought, not just blanketly say this is not how it's done. No. That's not how I'm thinking about it. I don't think this is a good idea. And it's Thank not you. just be, and I, and it's not just being closed-minded. I thought about it as to okay, could this work? It works it's great in the NHL. I think that it's, you know, it does work there. Um but like if this is being done in the name of trying to make the game faster, more fun, open, attack-minded, like the yellows that they probably want to weed out are the really are the cynical ones. Like an attacker who is bursting through the midfield with the ball, defender grabs him, stops him from the break. Like I think maybe that's what they want to weed out. So, okay, here's what you have to ask yourself. Is the excitement of getting that back worth the potential trade-off of also getting frequent, I mean, think about how many yellow cards are in a game, frequent 10-minute periods of a team more than likely putting 10 men behind the ball and time-wasting the punishment away. Oh, God. It it, it opens a Pandora's box of f***ing housery. It, yeah. No, it's terrible. Like, I don't think we have a huge problem here of the game not being watchable, so we got to do something to enhance attacking play. Are, are people saying that? No one that I'm hearing from is saying the game is Let me tell you, what, gotta... what ruins attacking play more than reducing the numbers of a team for for a while and making them just go into their shell? I think it's a, I think it's a, I mean, look, they're going to try it out and we'll see, but on the face of it, I think it's a disastrously bad idea. That's going to make 10 minute chunks of games just come to a a standstill. Now, look, if this is, if I'm wrong, like if this is specifically for just like penalties of dissent or petulance, like surrounding a referee, cursing at a ref, kicking the, like kicking the ball away, stuff like that, then, okay, maybe we could have a conversation. Because like maybe players will learn quickly. They can start to weed some of that stuff out of the game, which I think yeah. is a bad look for everyone. But if it's every yellow, we're gonna send someone off for 10 minutes. I think it's a I think it's a a bad idea. A really bad idea. And I'm not not on board with it. I'll see we'll see how it goes. When it's trialed, when it's tested out, maybe it'll I don't know, maybe it'll add something. But I don't think the game is hurting in this sort of way where we gotta do this. Not a fan. Not a fan. I'm a hundred a hundred percent with you on that. I also think people in charge need to pull back from this idea that the game is broken. We know the pieces that need to be fixed. We we know this is not one of them. You know? Uh it's, it's just bad ideas and it's tinkering and I hate it. Really not into it. Agreed. I hope uh yeah. Kind of rooting against these trials. So am I. I, I really don't... am. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But um. All right. So there you go. 
There you go. That's a big, healthy midweek Champions League pod for you to take you right through the rest of the week. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a chunky, chunky uh, podcast, and I, I hope you guys all enjoy it. Yeah. I have a, just a quick announcement, Andrew. Oh, uh, housekeeping. Just on the merch, uh, we were so, so close to getting it going, and um, and we just have one last little piece of bureaucracy, a little tax issue that we have to get sorted before uh, we can actually sell these wonderful, wonderful T-shirts to you guys. So please stand by, follow us everywhere you can on social media. Stay tuned to the podcast. Just a few more days, guys. Uh, it as as typical, it's uh, what is it, Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. And it's just a little blip. And um, But it's typical because there's always something um, that you may have overlooked. And uh, and I have overlooked something. So no, don't, don't do that to yourself. No. It's one, it's one of those look, things. Here's whatever. The shirts are coming. We've seen them. They exist. You can wear them. And uh, it's, it's going to be happening extremely soon. Don't beat yourself I up. I love that line from you. The shirts, you can wear them. <laughs> um let's see jj before we get out also we're probably due for a, a little bit of a, a mailbag in one of our upcoming pods we haven't had Definitely. one in a little bit but, but um there were a couple of things i wanted to quickly address that i i glanced at from animals um the first one being and you would know this as a met fan jj boy the other day i, I didn't realize that saying um chipper jones owned the mets i didn't realize that that was going to be some kind of controversial statement Oh my God, we got more comments about that than anything else. I, I just want to say to everyone out there, yes, I am aware that other players have also owned the Mets. <laughs> All right? But like, I that was sort of just like the ultimate... Chipper Jones not only owned them, he famously owned them to the point where he named his own kid Shea because of how he owned the Mets. He named his child after Shea Stadium. I know I'm a Phillies fan. You don't have to tell me what Chase Utley did to the Mets. I know all about it. I watched all of those games. Somebody also threw Pat Burrell in there. I mean, yeah, Burrell was very good against Mets. But if I'm trying to make the example of a guy owning a team, it would have been a little strange if I said like Burrell against the Mets. No, Chipper Jones famously owned them. All right. I had never thought that I was going to get messages from people that, oh, I'm so disappointed with that. I think some of them were tongue-in-cheek because they know I'm a Phillies fan and I didn't mention a Philly player. But, oh, my God, I thought that was, like, just the most obvious example of ownage ever. No. And then the other one that I wanted to mention, JJ, I, I actually lost sleep. I did not sleep well when I saw one of the comments from our listeners. I, I mentioned <laughs> – I hate even bringing it up. I feel so dumb. I forgot that the, the happy ending Columbus crew saved the crew story already happened when they won, when they won a couple of years ago. Like we already had the happy ending and I mentioned it the other and day. And we made a big deal. We made a huge I know. deal of it when we, we they won. We had guests on, like we did a whole thing about like, this is unbelievable. And I said on our pod the other day, we, we might get a save the crew happy ending. Idiot. We already had it. So I, I, I felt so dumb afterwards when i got the message from someone who was like hey you know they won we are the end happy ending already happened i was like oh my god look we, the fact all i, I can say is like we we talk a lot on this show and like sometimes in that amount of time you're bound to just like f stuff up i f that one up and it really sickened me that i did it and now uh, if you're a crew fan and heard that and you hate me forever i don't blame you because i i kind of hated myself too for the rest of the night until now, Let when I got to apologize something. for it. Me not picking you up on the crew winning 
and correcting you does nothing for my reputation as phasing out during MLS talk. Nothing. Or uh, certainly as a friend. You just let it sit there. Yeah, let's let him you, really stew in this for the next few you days. You hurt me tonight. Well, what did I do? Well, question why I should be on national TV, on the national news. But the news hour is such a random show for you to be on. Like It's if iconic. You me, it's an iconic in- institution. You, I'm you, iconic. But like, Love me. If you told me that yeah, they had me on like, you know, uh, the Galasso show or like, like, I'd say, yeah, sure. But like, I don't know. You're going to do meet the press this weekend. Like, it's such a weird show for you to have been on. I don't think that's weird for me to say. The amount of connections we have to the Galasso show and to CBS and all that. And we, we've never been on. Let's just, there's more, it's more likely I end up on with. I was gonna say I'm with Tucker Carlson. No, no, no. Um, I uh, Anderson. I don't, I don't see that happening. No, no. I'd be a bit too, too lib for him. JJ, I enjoyed this immensely. It was a fun so couple of days in the Champions League. Lots of hot soccer action still to come this Whoa. weekend, and we'll be all over it early next week. And hopefully, we'll have more info on on the official true release of the merch. JJ, this was yeah. great stuff. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 